Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary. commentary. Featuring Dave AC, the Sick Doctor, Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting Cult of Collective Commentary. Yes, uh, just laying down a new rug here, uh, so Dave AC can wipe his feet on the way in. Hello, Dave. No, 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 we don't want a carpet. I want to do the ballroom blitz. <laughs> Somebody who's not often blitzed on this show, like two of the hosts, it's Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Hello. Well, Mr. Whitworth just told me to come in here and say there was trouble at the mill, that's all. <laughs> What's that, Timmy? Trouble at the mill? <laughs> and and touch your flat cap when you say that. Anyway, enough rambling. We're here to talk a little at the top of another episode of Life on Mars. This is, as the joke wears thin, the aptly named <laughs> episode three. Yes, how long can I keep this gag going, folks? Is that the one that follows episode two? Yes! Oh, you know the one we're four, talking about, then. Four. <laughs> I figured it out. Yes, yes. We're all brain boxes here, so you're, it's going to be an insightful commentary. Yes. All right, enough yesing, and, and, and on with the show. So, if everybody has their official BBC copy of Life on Mars, Episode 3, at the ready, we shall begin. Ready, gentlemen? Indeed. Ready to hit play. All right, in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, play. Do, 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 do. Lovely music, straight from the start. Yeah. Hey, uh, hand one of them coats, as you'll remember from the previous commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Hunt will come run and stump on your toys. <laughs> <laughs> so what's he got? Pasties? Uh, fish supper? Past- probably pasties, yeah. Tatty pies. <laughs> And of course, the song that we start off with is Ballroom Blitz. <laughs> yes. Which, if you want to be nitpicky, actually, the song came out later in the year than this episode is set, but same year, big deal. <laughs> it's a good song, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Looking at that, is it that Radio Shack or something? That <laughs> Radio Telephone. Mm, I don't know if the symbol P T E or P I Y E or whatever. I don't recognize it. Oh, it's Pi. Yeah. Oh, pie. yeah. Yay, Pi. Pi. <laughs> That's what we're <him> up. <laughs> yeah, that was a big electric. What happened to Pi? 
They were mm. big electronics. I even remember them from New Zealand. GLX. They were popped up the range. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting into the music here, folks. Yeah. Why is there always cardboard boxes? <laughs> we're getting into... Um, you had to put it with a singing. <laughs> now, now that way, it's pulling straight towards it. It looks just like the Sweeney, if you've ever seen the Sweeney, mm. uh, with John Thor uh, and Dennis Waterman. Uh, all of theirs was in black and white coming up there. A very similar shot. Which, of course, is very deliberate. <laughs> like, I nasty one. I just noticed there in the, that sequence there, we had two instances of just normal outside things, being noises and music being blended into the scene. We had, you know, Sam Sam's call there with the people there in the present that blended into the, the actual telephone call. And there we had that ambient ballroom blitz blended into the radio. Yeah. Because it did it as soon as they cut off the engine. Nicely done. Yes. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Olivia. <laughs> of course, not. I mean, in and around uh, Ashton and Hyde, there are quite a lot of uh, converted mills to um, residential property. Did mm. that quite a lot in New Zealand with the uh, the docks, um, a lot of the old uh, shipping warehouses that they had, big old brick. Uh, warehouses, you know, that they unloaded everything onto. They're all turned into very expensive apartments now. Oh, indeed. Expensive's the word, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you've got big rooms. I mean, it's uh, like loft living, they call it. Yeah. There we go with the intro. <laughs> Sorry, I enjoyed this open. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave, answer your phone. <laughs> Dave, answer your phone. Come on. Very <laughs> yeah. 70s look here. Very. But the, 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 I mean, the, the thing about the music is it, it is quite mysterious, too. Especially that. It's just quite kind of, I don't know. But while it, it also retains that kind of. Actiony type, you know. Yeah, as I said action, before, true. the the persuaders. It's got a very similar look and feel to the opening of that. Mm. Are um, the professionals? If you, you remember the yes. professionals. Love the professionals. Remember that cooking show that the man from the professionals used to do the voiceover for. Charlie P, that's 20 points if you can get that one. <laughs> there's Martin, can't remember Martin, somebody who played one of the cops. Now, this is a real character actor, Ian. Yes, John Henshaw playing Ted Bannister. Been in plenty of stuff, and here's the list. Well, part of the list. Uh, at the moment, uh, you will have seen in uh, Candy Cabs as uh, 
Murph Monkford. Uh, but uh, he's just uh, in post-production right now as Lab Rats. Uh, and uh, he's currently filming The Angel's Share. But he was, uh, uh, most of our, our group will, will have uh, seen him in The Second Coming with Christopher Eccleston. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, there's a long, long, long list uh, going back, back, back. GBH, uh, Cracker, Last of the Summer Wine, Emmerdale Farm, the Royal Family. Yeah. It's it's more of a, a question of what he has been in, I guess, than what he has been in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I liked him. He was in uh, Born and Bred, which was a, a comedy series. And uh, the other one that he was in, what was the one he was in recently? Uh, uh, North and South or something it was called. I just remember it. South Riding, it was mm. South Riding. That was an excellent series. <laughs> oh, and he was in Candy, uh, candy Cubs, as you said, with your your friend from uh, Jackal. Yes. Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> Go, pal. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way to get him. <laughs> you all speak first, don't you? <laughs> and Loku talks first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll be in the pub. <laughs> now for now. Rolled his eyes. <laughs> Here's your friend. Yeah. It's DCI Litton. I thought it was the ship's mate. <laughs> From uh, the Black Pearl. Yes. I had a suit just like that. Oh, God, forgive me. With the stripes and the big uh, double-breasted and a waistcoat. Oh, dear. I didn't walk like that, though. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed how Litton glanced at the uh, picture, the the drawing there next to the door. A hunch, yeah, of course, a hunch. <laughs> yes, never doubt. <laughs> anyway, uh, some more information on Lee Ross, who's, oh, yeah. who's, who's, <laughs> who's playing Litton. Uh, as Dave said, uh, the boats went in, uh, in Curse of the Back spot. Uh, then uh, coming up, 
uh, as Jim. Midsummer Murders as Sergeant Trevor Gibson. Uh, in the episode uh, The Sleeper Under the Hill. Uh, he's in the uh, currently filming um, Titanic, the TV series. Who knew? <laughs> uh, spoiler for that TV series. Yeah, by the way, there's a, there's a Titanic <laughs> series coming out. Right. And quite right, I did say Black Spot. I didn't say Black Pearl. <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, but also is um, well known for being in the Catherine Tate show. It's Paul DeWender Cleaner and other characters. Uh, it's also been in Jericho, Coronation Street, uh, Robin Hood as Sir Jasper, EastEnders. So there's not an awful lot they ain't been in. Uh, get your money out. You've got to realise that's a, a, quite a considerable amount of Money. Um, I'm trying to think what the the weekly wage would have been in the '73. I mean, um, it's um, certainly like putting 100 quid down. I would think now. Yeah. No, perhaps 50 quid. And of course, I don't know how on earth uh, Stephen Moffat ever saw this guy for for any role in Doctor Who, because I mean, he was in Press Gang. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, Warren Donnelly playing Duds. Again, I'm trying to think back to wages. I think um, so. It's a. Uh... A thousand quid, a twenty pound a week was a good wage. So t- ten pound is at half a week's wages. Right. But uh, Warren, you all have seen most recently in Holby City, and prior to that, uh, the TV series Shameless as uh, Stan Waterman. By the buck, I gotta get him. <laughs> <laughs> now, now he sounds a bit like an American pre- president. There, I believe uh, a few American presidents say, if you can't write a, a summary on an A4 sheet of paper, don't give it me. I think that was Ronald Reagan. If <laughs> you've been tempted by a fact. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's not joking. <laughs> oh, yeah, this solid is chewing him. <laughs> there it is. What these party seven? No party yeah. complete. Well, there was a party four that came out first, right? But the party seven was uh, quite the the deal. No, is that what seven pints in there or something? Is that what it's called a party? Yeah, seven? yeah, some yeah, some pints. Uh, Fifteen bob, I think it was. So that's what. Um, well, that just shows you how much the the fiver's worth. You could buy six of those for a fiver. 
I think. Um, difficult to remember prices, but you could buy about. Um, oh. You buy about six pints of bitter for a pound. And on the screen right now is uh, Andrew Knott playing uh, Derek Bannister, who uh, is currently uh, just completed work on Orwell, is Luke. Uh, it's rumoured uh, to be playing Sean in uh, Gridiron UK. Uh, but it was also been in uh, Frankenstein's Wedding, live in Leeds, uh, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. Gavin and Stacy, Spooks. There's Rob. There's a lot of Robs. <laughs> uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. The Bill. Ah, here we go. It's been in <laughs> two separate episodes of Casualty. Hey, we can go home. Pack your bags. Go home. Yep, I'm Yay, off. There we I'm go. <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah, it must have actually been about eight, but I'm getting hung up on this. Two and six and buy your pint easily, so that's eight pints to a pound. It's lucky nobody's watching this for the for the plot line, are they? <laughs> we are discussing the price of a Watney 7. Oh, yeah, and if we get to any dramatic bits, no long talking this time, Ian. <laughs> After last week. Oh, that's nasty. And the only information I have is that the pathologist is played by Paul Lemming, but he just said that the pathologist wasn't there, so. <laughs> that scuppers that one. Yeah. I call it. <laughs> On his cheeks. <laughs> I think I need a drink. Why did somebody say hide? <laughs> I know it's did. long overdue. <laughs> Anyone lost a dagger? I'm drinking um, a fairly basic Australian Shiraz tonight, uh, selected by Tesco, but it's going down rather nicely. From Southeast Australia. Good on you, mate. Yeah. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull it together to uh, to win the Rugby World Cup. Neither could the French either. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way he looks at him like. <laughs> Gosh, look at that bereft of computers and <laughs> nothing. All they got is a cigarette and a telephone. <laughs> How did they ever cope? Yeah. Yeah. Pep talk. Pep talk. <laughs> we will do a commentary. We will. Talk do a over commentary. the top of giving motivational speech. <laughs> Hey, I've been doing the, the cast updates. Where have you been with your uh, 
with your information there, Dave. Well, come I've on. got one fascinating fact to come up later. What, you finally found the price of a Watney's Party 7? No, better than that. No, I've told you what price that is. 15 shillings. <laughs> it's desperate, damn. <laughs> <laughs> right, right next to the nude. <laughs> and here we are, we're in. We're, 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 you're quite right. This is this great mix. You, as you think you're watching a detective, just a detective show, because it's so well realised and uh, observed. And then we have these little exchanges and funny moments where we realise there's a lot more going on. I like that. Any, any, as a puff yeah. on the cigarette, but then she, she, she only did it to, mm. to, to be friendly with her. She's sashaying across there rather nicely, oh, Ian. Yes. <laughs> As they would say in this show, she's a tasty bird. <laughs> preserve the crime scene. Preserve the size scene. <laughs> the size scene? Go oh, have another drink, Dave. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> We're watching again, folks. Yes, we are. Because <laughs> it's good when the two of them are butting heads about oh, yeah. whose methods are the best. And especially when Sam, like. <laughs> Looks like a size twenty footprint on that first yeah. view, never. Yeah. Well, very distinctive. Yes. Yeah, you were wrong, Dave. <laughs> So any fascinating facts from you, Mike? <laughs> well, there's one that I'm saving for uh, an extended period of no talking. <laughs> ah, one of those dramatic moments that need to be talked yeah, on top of. Yep. Exactly, exactly. Bonza. Uh-oh, just as he's getting a bit smug. Uh-huh. <laughs> Name sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yours, mate. <laughs> now, is is a lot of the, the the area around where this was filmed? Is it just? Uh, I mean, I guess does it not change that much around Manchester way? 
No, no, no. Some of those, like they're, they're, they're like little back roads. That that road, if you looked at it, it was just going to go. And I think the road turned there under the railway. It's sort of like a little back of um. There's a lot of um, like you call little work work industrial work units that have these sort of um, semi-industrial look, and uh, it's just on the side of estates. And of course, the ones in the centre of Manchester uh, uh, are down these old little narrow. Tib Streety type um, things that, that that never got cleared away. They were real. They're, they're really just uh, entrances to um, warehouse locations and so on. Right. Plenty of tourist houses like these in the streets. Right. Which is good, I guess. For I mean, because like in America, to to, to recreate something of of you know this magnitude, uh, they'd have to construct something like that. You know. Uh, and, well, and a Hollywood backlot, and then they'd have to reshoot. They'd have to shoot it from various different angles to make it look like a different place. Well, well, one interesting fact I can tell you is that uh, the uh, the east quarter of Manchester, sorry, the northern quarter of Manchester, where they filmed some of these, which is where my daughter lives. She lives in a in a converted uh, building, and it looks very smart. But um, they filmed some of the scenes for Captain America. Just down their street. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and that was when they wanted the old, you know, the earliest stage where before he comes awake. Sorry, Phyllis is on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just before, while we were talking about. Uh, about uh, residential areas, uh, we we missed uh, uh, Denise Hope as uh, Mrs. Bannister, although she may reappear a little later. Uh, but she's currently uh, just completed work on Best Little Whorehouse in Rochdale. Uh, <laughs> it's also been in Coronation Street, Northern Lights, and Christmas Lights, and Band of Gold. There was one good bit there where he said the boss thought you ought to have something else to, to do. do. But, I mean, two cases. I should imagine most police are working on about 40 cases at any one time. Right. Never mind two. Or it pubs are open. <laughs> <laughs> Just after. Uh, Mickey's Little Land. <laughs> oh, there's Mickey now. Is it a euphemism? <laughs> no. <laughs> Concurrent. <laughs> I mean, you're right about this this John Hershaw character, but he does. He's, he's basically a character actor. He plays the same part yeah. all the time. The guy next door, kind of, you know, every man. Yeah. Shop steward, uh, yeah. you know. something so he can win his bet. <laughs> yes. Mm. 
<laughs> He's like, uh-uh, not going to happen. Otherwise, I'll have no apartment to live in. I'm just reading this little page where people say, oh, yeah, party sevens were very common uh, in the 70s. Uh, used to get them and used to get this uh, this special thing to open them with. And uh, this bloke saying, well, you must have been posh. We didn't bother having a beer tap. We simply punched the top of the can in two separate places and poured. Board. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Second out, crazy. <laughs> he was very close to Ed, but there. Uh. Now, you see, they'd let him touch it, they'd never let him touch it. Because that would be his finger, uh, not his finger, but his genetic stuff on it, I want they call it. Yeah. What? And, uh, well, we're doing this dramatic <laughs> bit. <laughs> A couple of people that I may have missed or haven't showed up yet, but I don't want to miss any anybody uh, Nikki Bell playing Brian as uh, been in Justice accused he was in Robin Hood the movie that is in 2010 he's also been in uh, The City True Dare Kiss and Cutting It And I believe the, the young woman we saw at the beginning was Tina, uh, who has also been in, since then, uh, Ideal, Holby City, uh, is currently, uh... <laughs> sorry, interrupted by music. <laughs> uh... <laughs> sorry, this is just funny. <laughs> uh, also in the, the TV series Shameless, as uh, Karen McGuire. And one other person I've missed, or haven't missed seen yet, <laughs> is uh, Arthur Coins, who is played by John Axon. You know, I'm pretty certain that's a real Party 7, that it's not some mock-up or anything. Right. I think they borrowed it from some brewery or something. Mm. It's got that nice thud when you hit it full of beer. Right. Yeah, just proved it. <laughs> What's that? Splash it all over. <laughs> so, Dave, did you ever perchance purchase a What These Party 7? Yeah, yeah, not on my own. It's too expensive. You'd chip yeah. it. Uh, mostly Party 4s, though. Look at the way he waddles. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you didn't realize that. <laughs> this is what they call gobbledygook. <laughs> Oh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Paco <laughs> What's wrong with Old Spice? Our, uh, the other one, uh, High Karate, that was the other one at the time. Yeah. God, you could strip paint off a car with that stuff. Oh, yeah. Shooters. One police radio coming up. (laughs) Police radio whistle. I don't know why it's so close there. I mean, it's not exactly, you know. Uh, I mean, anybody watching with binoculars from the thing would see the it's being. Del boy. We're watching, fellas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we are. There you go. I've run out of oh. cast. That's all I can say. <laughs> this noise in the carsy. <laughs> oh, police radio. So this... Yeah, come on, you oh, <laughs> Out the back window. Nobody checked that. Yeah, two cases at once, blimey. (laughs) There's the music. Again, it's the, you know, he's... he's... The, the allusion to wanting to get home, but because he's the policeman, you know, he wants to wants to get this solved. 
No, that's a different show. <laughs> I was waiting. Glad you got there. <laughs> nice, nice being on the mark there as well. <laughs> <laughs> The blue doors didn't open when he clicked his fingers. No, I did not. <laughs> I thought they did. It's hard to like. Here's some anachronisms. Uh, the vehicle that Gene Hunt drives is a Ford Cortina Mark III. The registration plate, uh, KJM212K, shows that it was registered between August 1971 and July 1972. The vinyl roof and four headlights show that it was one of the top-of-the-range models, and the GXL badge, which was clearly shown in close-up, confirms this. However, the vehicle has some strange anachronistic features. The dashboard is from the 2000E model. Uh, also shown close-up uh, is the badge consisting of the letter E, surrounded by the laurel wreath. Uh, mm. This was the badging uh, used on the 2000D model, which replaced the GXL model late in 1973. The car should not be carrying badges for both models, especially as the 2000E model was not released onto the market until six months after the time the episode was set. Well, I would think that the reason for that is that they, they had two cars. Obviously, if one breaks down, they can't do any filming for the right. day. So they probably had two very similar models. Um. Oh, that Chris White policewoman uniform. It's starting to add up. And the Derek Bannister is played by Andrew Knott, isn't he? We get to out. I've been through everybody already. What are you doing? Yeah, he's already... Yeah, no, no, I've just reminded myself. I <laughs> yes. knew perfectly well you'd done that. Yes, of course, yes. What were the ratings like, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, another interesting anachronism. Uh, when Sam was taping the interview, he stated that it was Wednesday, the 16th of March. In 1973, 16th of March was a Friday, not a Wednesday. However, March 16th in, uh, was a Wednesday in 2005, the year the episode was written. <laughs> Writers are smart. Sometimes they're just not that smart. <laughs> Another thing that we overlooked is uh, in the scene where the guns are placed in the portal loo, there's a reflection of a super space cab daft truck in the Porter Cabin's window. But that wasn't released until at least 2001. Oh, nitpicky details. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, okay.
So during this dramatic moment in the episode, I'm going to discuss that one detail that I hinted at earlier in the episode. Yes. The U.S. was not the only country to have their own remake of Life on Mars. As far as I can tell, uh, let's see, Spain had their own remake on the Antana 3 channel back in, when was this, uh, 2009. Uh, so just a couple of years ago, they had La Chica de Ayer, which is their version of Life on Mars. The title of that comes from a song over, in, a Spanish song by the same title by Nacha Pop. Uh, you know, similar naming convention, but it's it's about uh, a Spanish uh, police officer who, transpo- who was transported back to 1977 under a similar type uh, officer to uh, Gene Hunt. So Spain has also had their own version of Life on Mars. Hopefully it was better than the U.S. version. <clears throat> and then the girl there just mentioned, uh, it's not like I'm thin like Twiggy. Yep. Of course, Twiggy was the uh, English model Leslie Lawson, Nee Hornby, born 19th of September 1949, but she was known as Twiggy, the swinging 60s girl. Yes. She was voted British Woman of the Year in 67 uh, and on the covers of Vogue and Tatler. So um, she was, a, a lot of girls aspired to be as thin as her. She had this sort of androgynous look. Gaunt, I'd call it. <laughs> Sorry. In fact, uh, she's returned to modelling recently for Marks and Spencers, I think. So she's still modelling now, even though she's 62. Wow. One of the the references I I missed uh, earlier was uh, when when Chris did the the, the crime scene sketch. Ray told him that he should sit the vision on. I used to love vision on. And oh, and few... as soon as this scene starts, you know, you should notice something there on the TV. <laughs> oh, she's missing. Yep. <laughs> of course, he's lying the wrong way around in his bed, so we see the telly. Yes. Here to help, you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Creepy person. <laughs> With a clown. That's a big word for a commentator. I mean, a... <laughs> Once again, we're drawn into mm. the story. <laughs> Give up. Ooh. I love the way she doesn't even yeah. blink. She just stares. Bump. Sleep. <laughs> so easy. And um, back on the screen. Yes. Well done. Well, excellently done. And another instance of the, the beeping of the 
machine being blended back into the something in the room. This is as I was saying before. Before I was so rudely interrupted by <laughs> the the test padding girl. Vision on uh, for those of you who are not aware. Uh, it's a British TV program. Um, it was a, a lot of it actually was set up for for children who were hearing impaired. Um, uh, Pat Castle, she used to she'd sign everything, um, and of course Tony Hart. Uh, was was part of it. Uh, those of you who don't know about Tony Hart, Tony Hart was the dad to morph, uh, similar character to to, to to America's Gumby, I guess. Uh, but of course, their their main thing is that they had a, a gallery, uh, which they would show all these paintings of kids and would send in. You know, so this one's from Kelly, aged four of of Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, this now I've got to say something. I've got to interrupt you. See that so. he's stirring his tea with. You see when he puts it to his mouth in a moment. It's a curly whirly that had just come out. It was a new chocolate, toffee coated chocolate sweet that was like a lattice. Uh, they're still on sale actually, but it's a Cadbury's curly whirly. Just come out about a year or so ago when this. Stirring his tea with a curly whirly. Yeah, I, I loved um, Vision on. Of course, Tony Hart went on to. Uh, do quite a few of the shows with right. Morph. Mm-hmm. I used to love Vision on. Uh, they had these uh, characters and and I don't know whether they told jokes or whatever, but they're called the Burbles or something like that. And they lived in the clock and they, you know they usually tell a joke or something between. It's just these two speech bubbles. And then they'd have uh, Rolf Harris had come on too, and then there was a guy who used to do. Uh, he used to do paintings, but with a uh, line marking machine. <laughs> the things you do, watch as a kid. Yeah, it's funny. I look back on the shows that I watched as a kid, and I think back on them, and I think, uh, why did I watch those? Those shows were creepy. You know, shows <laughs> like Candle Cove and things like that. Yeah, he, uh, Tony Hart did uh, Playbox first, then Titch and Quackers, Vision On. Uh, from Vision On was from 64 to 76. Take Heart, Heartbeat. Um, and, of course, it was Morph as well, as you right. said. Oh, and uh, part of the lineup for uh, for Vision On, uh, for those of you who are not... Uh, not up with it was not only none other than Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> like that was, must be horrific, that. <laughs> oh, Sherlock. <laughs> We've done commentaries on that, haven't we? Yeah. Apparently, um, in the in the United States, their version of Curly Whirly uh, was known as the Marathon Bar. Yeah. 
sold in the 70s and 80s. Marathon bar sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I've never had one. And in Canada, it was called the Wigwag. Well, Ian has a reason for being distracted right now. <laughs> Dang straight. <laughs> oh, that tape recorder. <laughs> Um, apparently, the, the, it hasn't got the, the figures for all the episodes, but the average audience figure for Series 1 was 6.8 million viewers. And it regularly won its time slot, uh, despite the fact that uh, uh, ITV had a comedy drama called Northern Lights on at the same time. And of course, the first series was nominated for a British Academy Award in the Best Drama Series category. And Johnson was also nominated as Best Actor for his work on the show. And the, the programme won the audience voted Pioneer Award. Life of Mars and, and Philip, Philip Glenister just kept losing out to Doctor Who, didn't they? Oh, yes, that was uh, that was quite sad, yeah. yeah. And then John Sim goes on to be on Doctor Who, so. <laughs> oh, John Sim. In fact, it was worse than that, I think. One year, Philip Glenister, uh, um, because David Tennant was too busy to collect an award, uh, Philip Glenister was asked to accept the award on his behalf, I think. Oh, dear. Oh, Wow. You can see my PlayStation scores. <laughs> what is a PlayStation? <laughs> Talk about your anachronisms. Now, dramatic bit, Ian. Yeah, nobody calls it a PlayStation anymore. It's a PS3. It's a PS triple, yeah. There, there you are. go. You talked over it. No, I Surrounded didn't. by arm bastards. I did. Surrounded by arm <laughs> bastards. Meme. Meme. <laughs> One of his best lines ever, that.
The funny thing was, I was going to ask him, like, when, 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 when that line comes up? Standoff. Oh, standoff. Come on, punk. Make my day. <laughs> Some nice acting by Lannister there. That pissed off look in his face. Why does nobody turn the lights on? It's like, hey, exactly. turn the lights on? Sure. Make it easier to catch hey. the guy. Hey, who turned out the lights? Oh, well done, Mike. Yeah, no point in that now. Yeah. Lovely effect music there. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Being good, I'm not talking over the top of the dramatic moment. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And where's the taser when you need one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on QI to this week, Ian, yes. um, he quoted the um, uh, thing... Uh, uh, people say life's not fair, but it's fairer than death. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, I just got done watching that episode before we came in here. They talk all over the top of this episode, which we're not doing a good job of. <laughs> is life fresh before his eyes, or is death, or one of the two? <laughs> I can't remember who the quote was from. Uh, oh. But you ought to watch QI, anybody, listeners. It's yes. worth it. Yay for compromises. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's brash and it's... Uh, as bad as Gene Hunt is, there are times when he is right. And it, there's rules to this world and... 
more often than not, you know, genes are right. But there's a happy medium. As soon as he wakes up. <laughs> no oxygen mask. Nope. Doesn't look none too hygienic back there either. <laughs> The, the father there, I know you told us all about what John Henshaw's been in, uh-huh. but um, he was born in Manchester. Ah. Uh, born in 1951. Blimey, he's younger than me. That's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Grew up in Ancoats, Manchester. Manchester's little Italy community. Yeah. Now we're back to the ice cream band from last week. He was a refuge collector for 10 years before deciding to become an actor at the age of 40. (laughs) What I missed is he also was in, uh, he played Mr. Pony in Terry Pratchett's Going Postal. Just Uh to watch too. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Stand off. Stand off. <laughs> With football reference, soccer nil. for you guys. One nil. nil. Come on, Liam. Nil. One nil. One nil. And there it goes. <laughs> ah, and we're we on go. the terraces. <laughs> I think the Don't ballroom blitz would have worked for this bit. <laughs> Ooh, nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is a bit anachronistic, bringing the party seven into a pub. The idea is you took that out of the pub. (laughs) Uh, When you're Gene Hunt, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. Ooh, contact. Going back to what you mentioned earlier. Yeah, <laughs> usually opening it with, yeah. yeah. And cuts of credits. Uh, yeah, I, I think actually that was probably worth a few hundred quid that. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they did there. actually up that. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I think, right. think we talked through most of that. I don't think they noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to, 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 to wrap up the music we heard, and of course at the beginning we had uh, Ballroom Blitz from Sweet, then uh, we had that Gypsy from Uriah Heap, Wishing Well from Free, and Head in the Sky from Atomic Rooster. And that wraps up the music for this episode. Next week. Um. Oh. 
The Warren. Oh, yes. He used to go to a, a club called The Warren. Mm. It's a good episode, this. Oh. Yeah. His <laughs> mum's a bit of a looker and all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, that special appearance by Mark Bolan. Well, not really Mark Bolan, because that would be a little kind of creepy uh, in the next episode. <laughs> yes. yes, that would be creepy. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, not much to say. I mean, that's that's any different from last week. It's the same good stuff. Uh, good police drama. Uh, not so heavy on the the uh, communications from the other side this episode. We had one little bit with the the, the test card girl, and and the, in the beginning with the radio. But apart from that, uh, well, yeah, we had a flashback sequence. But I like how they've kind of dropped it down so it's it's interwoven throughout, uh, but not too heavy. So as to interrupt a, a, a basically a good cop show, and essentially that's that's what it is. I mean, it be, I think Life on Mars became something a little more than what they were planning on when they first started it. I, you know, who can say? You know, only the writers can tell you one way or the other. But I mean, it's a really good idea. It's like, well, what happens if you take a, a, a cop from you know 2005 and, and plunge him back into 1977? Uh, how would he react to the the situations then, and the people, and how would they react to, to his methods? You know, uh, because you know all this forensics takes time. You know, back then time was of the essence. You know, gotta gotta get a collar, gotta get the guy behind bars. So, yeah, it's it's a damn good uh, idea for a show. Dave. Yeah, yeah. Get get the vermin off the streets, yeah. whether they'd done it or not. <laughs> they they probably done something wrong. We didn't get them for that. We'll get them for something else. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was ever as bad as that. But there was certainly an element of of uh, uh, society that thought that that was the way that that police operated. And of course, with the other TV programs like the Sweeney and what have you, uh, that didn't. Uh, make people think any differently. No, it's a, it was a good um, mid... It uh, seems funny to talk mid-season when we're only into episode three, but, right. you know, uh, obviously we had a lot of setup in episode one. Uh, episode two, we had a really thrilling climax to it. Um, you know, that, that was the climax that Ian talked over, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we had a really thrilling climax, but it was where the two guys gelled. Here we're getting to think, um, you know, the, the bets are on and... Uh, each guy's proving to the other that they they bring something to the table, and uh, we're getting that camaraderie, you know. And and that was the the nice part about having um, you know, um, uh, the DCI Litton come in because uh, you know there's nothing that uh, unites a group more uh, than having a common any enemy from outside. And I think that's what the DCI Litton and uh, his squad represented there. That um, I mean, even Ray, uh, you know. Comes and and stands with uh, with Sam uh, yeah. because uh, you know whatever else it's their it's their squad against the other squad right. uh, and even if he doesn't really like um, Sam um, you know he stands with his mates and of course we're getting uh, we're seeing Annie now 
uh, being drawn in. She's getting more, um, what's the word, uh, confidence with the fact that, you know, she's she's not being set up for a fall. You know, she's not the, the girl coming in just abused. She's actually being not only a confidant to Sam, but she's actually helping him in the, uh, you know, the actual detective side of things. So all in all, and of course, we still had another creepy scene with the uh, the test card, test card girl. So all in all, um, not the strongest of stories, I thought, but there's still an awful lot in this episode that, that you know, that kept the ball rolling. We, you know, you, you don't feel as though it's uh, dropping down a notch. It's sort of um, got an awful lot to offer. And um, although we did pick out one or two inaccuracies, I mean, those are nothing really. I mean, the the you know the wrong month of the the right year and things like that. Yeah. Really, small scale stuff. It was uh, really good, and you could hear by the way we were drawn in how much we were enjoying it. So apart from, yeah. apart from when I spoke over the tense, you know, dramatic yeah. moments, which I'm not <laughs> to do. Mike. Yeah, something that I found rather interesting with this episode was that there was a really pronounced uh, parallel theme going on. You had the, the theme of, of Sam and and Gene butting heads, as usual, but uh, this time it was all over uh, the, the idea of, you know, how Gene prefers to do things and Sam's I, what, what Sam is used to. It's the theme of modernity coming into this and the progression of of procedure and you know gene is used to his way and sam wants to change things and go in his direction so you had that and at the same time the 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 whole conflict that was going on within the story with the mill that was also a a conflict of modernity and a progression of technology threatening a way of life for the people there in that town which was i i rather rather like that that there was that parallel theme structure in this episode it emphasized Sam's whole dilemma there and rather well written I thought and there was also the, the motif that I noticed in this episode with the whole idea of a reason to, to fight and again with it echoed from Sam to the to the to the to the family the uh, there the dad and the son and the whole reason it's like Sam's reason to fight was uh you know keeping alive and keeping we have the echoes of what's going on in in the current time for Sam and fighting to stay alive and then we have him you know fighting to stay there with the, with the police force and try to do things his own way and we had the, the theme with there with the father and the son of reason to fight there with the with the mill and keeping their way of life so nice parallel theme structure in this episode yeah, good point that was better than rather interesting i think it was quite interesting dave quite interesting see, indeed <laughs> dave you see this is what happens when you you go to school and you watch movies for a course <laughs> you actually oh, yeah. see these themes and, and and parallels whereas we go hey how much for a walkins party seven <laughs> yeah. yeah, it passes for education that yeah. now. now you know why he was so quiet he was actually paying attention <laughs> Yeah, he was doing a critique, yeah, my, not a commentary. Yeah. My English major came into use at some point. Yeah. There you go. All right, join us next week. We, we will hopefully talk all over the top of episode four of Life on Mars, the UK version. Yeah, not you know there's any something? Other version, but you know. I knew it was going to be episode four. I'd work that out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of looked at the, the, the episode titles and I thought, well... You know, I'm pretty sure four is going to be next. 
could be wrong. But we'll find out next week. So <laughs> until then, it's goodbye for Mr. Randall Thor. Until then, it's goodbye from Dave AC. Uh, say goodnight, Gracie. Oh, is that Ian the Sixth Doctor? Good night, Gracie. Party seven, anyone? I'll get the hammer. <laughs> Takes two to open this. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.